0: This is a legend. This is a guy who's enshrined in Cooperstown in the broadcast wing as a past winner of the Ford Frick Award. And you can tell me better, guys, but it seems to me it's fair to say that Tim changed the entire way baseball games are analyzed on television.
1: He was more critical, more
0: humorous, more observant than almost anyone who's ever done the job.
1: That was Ken Rosenthal on MLB Network Radio yesterday talking about the life and legacy of Tim McCarver. That's what we're going to do with Richard Deitch. You can find his work over at The Athletic where he covers sports media. He is also the host of the excellent sports media podcast with Richard Deitch. If you're interested in sports media in any capacity, it is well worth your time. He joins us now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Uh, Richard, we sincerely appreciate you joining us today to be able to remember uh, Tim McCarver's influence on the baseball broadcasting world Uh, when you hear that from Ken Rosenthal and you think back on your experiences whether it was listening to him on the broadcast or uh, what you've heard from others what are you going to remember most about Tim McCarver the baseball broadcaster?
0: Uh, Well first appreciate uh, you guys having me on Uh, it's twofold for me because I lived in New York and grew up in New York so McCarver was on the Mets broadcast and he was a revelation just in terms of a baseball broadcast. Most of the time, at least from my youth that I remember, they were former players. It was kind of a certain style that almost every analyst would have. And generally speaking, the play-by-play person was the star of the show. McCarver was revolutionary in that he first guessed a lot of stuff, whether it was uh, like a play that was going to happen whether it was a certain type of pitch, he was really just sort of really good on sort of strategy happening before it happened, very much like Tony Romo in his first and second year in the NFL. And that was a revelation because nobody really had done that, at least from what I saw at the time. And then he took that nationally. And, you know, there are many occurrences in games that he did with Joe Buck on Fox where he was just so ahead of the play. Um, He really was a well-prepared and thoughtful individual and had just the rare skill set of being someone who played in majors for four decades at a position where you're really seeing everything on the field, the catching position, and then being able to translate that to broadcasting. It's not a surprise that many of the broadcasters, since Tim McCarver first entered the booth, are ex-catchers. Uh, because they see the field and I think McCarver set the template um for those who who followed him
2: and Richard that's where I was going to go next because we see it now I mean it's a regular occurrence you get a former athlete in the broadcast booth with the play-by-play man but was there something special about Tim compared to what we see today about having an analyst like that in the broadcast booth
0: well I mean it's you know it's just it's like it's like athletics it's hard to compare eras like you know howard cosell today would not play like it's just like it. we live in a different world that was a three television universe world we're now in a cable world the world's more polarizing so it's it's hard to compare the two i think where mccarver where you could sort of draw the line from McCarver to today is that he really took an analytical approach to sports broadcasting and we see that far more today whether it's john smoltz in baseball i think greg olsen um, is is fairly analytical when it comes to being an analyst. You know, McCarver was a – for McCarver, it was less about folksy storytelling and I think more about the strategies of the game itself. And that, to me, is where he changed things. I mean, it's a little before my time. But, you know, Joe Garagiolo was a very, very famous analyst for Major League Baseball. And his reputation was like sort of – you know, he, he was a catcher too – but very much more folksy and storytelling and stuff like that. And then I think McCarver becomes the next sort of iteration of that where it's more analytics and probably Smoltz, whether you like him or not, is probably the next iteration of McCarver where Smoltz is really, really analytical and gets deep into the game on that. And obviously more of a modern feel for the game than McCarver did just because he played a couple of years after McCarver. So, you know, the baseball broadcast, at least on a national level owes a lot to Tim McCarver. He, 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 sort of changed how things were and um, and again at the time especially when he just came into the booth especially in New York he was just he was a very revolutionary voice.
1: Richard I don't know what this was like in New York I, I didn't get a, an up-close um, look at that the way that you did but I know for Joe Buck, he he's talked recently and in the past as well about the influence that Tim McCarver had on him. And I, I used to do a show with uh, Danny Mack here in St. Louis, and so I, I got to know uh, kind of the ins and outs of their relationship between Dan McLaughlin and Tim McCarver, and Dan considered Tim to be one of his best friends, and he, he learned a ton from him about broadcasting as well. Uh, when you look at the influence that Tim's had on the play-by-play men that he's worked with, Uh, What comes to mind for you on that influence?
0: Well, the simple thing that comes to mind is something Joe Buck told me 10 years ago and then repeated it this week, and that Tim McCarver taught him more about broadcasting than his dad did. And so what does that tell you? Jack Buck, obviously, one of the great broadcasters of all time, was Joe's dad. But yet, if you ask Joe, who taught him more about baseball broadcasting, he would say Tim over his father. Um, And that's the thing with McCarver is I think you talk to – um, whoever, whatever play by play people worked with him, they, they just, they say he was a very generous analyst. Um, he was willing to sort of share his knowledge when it came to what he knew with broadcasters and on a pure like technical level, Carver talked a lot for some people, obviously that he talked too much for others, uh, maybe the right amount, but in terms of being a play by place person, what he then gives you is he really helps you out. Just in terms of the length of a broadcast, because the one difference between baseball, um, at a major level, and almost all these other sports is there's no time, you know, there's no clock. Like the game is either going two and a half hours, three hours, or you know, fifteen hours. Like the, that's where a guy like McCarver could be invaluable, in that he really has a lot to say, and you as the play-by-play person do not have to, um, you know, you don't ha- you don't have to necessarily carry that broadcast. So you know, Joe Buck. Um, he's done a lot of interviews obviously in the last 48 hours and um, he's had some pretty extraordinary things to say about Tim Carver.
2: You hear all of the stories over the last 24 hours, Richard, of Tim McCarver and his broadcast career. And the one that stuck out to me was I, I i forgot who was talking about it, but they were discussing when he was on a Braves call and was talking about Deion Sanders and talking about how he played in the Falcons game earlier that day and then the Braves game. And afterwards, you know, Dion pours a bucket of water on him in the locker room. But that's what I feel like people loved so much about Tim McCarver was he was honest and he didn't care what he said about who he said because he was honest about it and it was his assessment
0: yeah i mean the reality is there's a lot of former players who i just be blunt they're sort of they kiss the ass basically of those who they're <laughs> interviewing and so not not everybody but but there are a lot and in today's world there's a lot of job security in that there's also by the way to be very honest there's people at home who don't want any tough questions or anything like that they 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 want that kind of stuff. The thing with McCarver and with Dion is he just he was un, he was unafraid to sort of ask something um, that he believed that the the people watching at home wanted, even if the subject at hand um, wasn't happy about it. I, you know, I'm, that was a while ago. I'd have to sort of see the clip again, but um, you know, there was clearly some maybe McCarver had said something about Dion that Dion didn't like, but you know that obviously. When when you're involved, like somebody pouring water on you, that's just going to a nonsense place. Um, so, it's a you know, it's a famous clip. It's out there. But the larger point is that McCarver was not somebody who was a over-the-top PR apparatus when he was in the interviewing position, which he wasn't in a lot, but he obviously was in that situation with Deion Sanders. And, again, I think that speaks to, at least from my perspective, that you know he he respected the position that he was in and he wasn't necessarily like a shill for major league baseball or a shill for whatever person he was talking to he was at least in some way trying to represent the viewer and as a general rule those are always the broadcasters i respect the most
1: Richard Deitch is our guest for just another minute or two here on 101 ESPN. He covers sports media for The Athletic. You can also follow him on Twitter at his name, Richard Deitch, D-E-I-T-S-C-H. Richard, on on the baseball broadcasting uh, side of things, uh, non-McCarver edition, I I, I would be curious – In St. Louis, one of the big topics right now is the Bally sports situation and what the future holds for those broadcasts with Major League Baseball. I I don't know what you have on this subject specifically, but when you look at what the future of baseball broadcasting looks like at the local level, what do you foresee both in the, the immediacy and kind of the long term future of what that ends up becoming?
0: Yeah, there's a lot. There are certainly other people in the space who've done a far more reporting on this than I have. So that's the caveat on that. But it's a mess. Like just as a general sort of overview, kind of take, um, and it's going to take a lot of untangling over many, many years for this to work out. The problem for all this is that depending on the team, they all have different lengths of contracts. Like I don't know what the St. Louis contract is, but like. You know, the sooner those contracts are up with the RSNs, well, then we'll just take baseball, for example. Major League Baseball then can designate as to what they want to do with the Cardinals' local rights. The problem is a lot of these local rights deals extend far. I know the Yankees have a long-term deal, even though they own the YES Network. So I think in the near term, regarding, um, you know, Diamond's expected bankruptcy, MLB says that they're going to be able to provide local viewers with access somehow to the games, just again, off, off sort of the top for me, I feel like there's always a streaming apparatus where MLB can put that on, but you know, you really do then alienate a ton of fans who still are not on streaming or maybe older fans who still have a cable sub- subscription. Um, so in short, the only thing I can tell you is like, it is going to be a rocky road in the near term until all these contracts around the country eventually, eventually play out. But the, the RSN system as a whole is a mess, and it's, uh, it's it's anachronistic. And where the future is ultimately is people paying directly for streaming services, where they can they can get their games direct to them. There won't be blackouts, but honestly, it'll probably cost you a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Richard, if you could see our text line, whenever the Cardinals play on Apple TV, like Oof. twice throughout the course of the regular yeah. season. Is- can, I,
2: can I just,
0: yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, because you, you just had one thing and this sure. is important. Like
1: I, I like baseball and I, you know, I grew up in New York,
0: obviously like you guys, a very big baseball city, but I will say there's no major sport that has cared less about its fans when it comes to getting the sport to them than major league baseball. And the Apple 100%. deals a perfect, the Apple deals a perfect example they have opted to take the sport and to sort of chop it up, right, in so many different outlets, particularly when it comes to the postseason, and that's all about getting revenues into the coffers so owners can get wealthier. They absolutely have not cared about you as a viewer in terms of you getting the product. So, like, to me, that's fine. Just, like, acknowledge that's what you are. The only thing I would ask, just as a I feel like a decent human being in the United States, is don't tell me it's sunny when it's snowing. Like, I feel like that's... Like, that's a fair standard for me to have. And so MLB is not fan-friendly. MLB is financially friendly to MLB. And so I feel for the Cardinals fans because um, you you are dealing with the same stuff in a lot of different markets where they have made it very hard for you to be a baseball fan.
1: I mean, imagine being it's not something that's like any groundbreaking news. But if you're a fan of baseball in Iowa, there's like seven different teams that you can't stream because of the blackout rules. And it's it's something that they've tried to, like, cover their ass on for years. And now, finally, after like a decade or more of people saying, hey, this is a problem for Major League Baseball. Finally, Rob Manfred and some of the owners are acknowledging, oh, yeah, we should probably do something about that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, again, it, the NFL has a lot of issues, don't get me wrong. But the the one thing that they figured out, obviously with the help of Congress, is to make the game as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, and MLB has, has sort of honestly done the opposite. It probably hasn't cost them yet because people still love to go to the park because the experience is great. But, yeah, I mean, like, it, in 2023, honestly, it's outrageous if you are a fan of a team that you can't get easy access to a team, (laughs) given the the technology that exists in the world today.
1: Richard, it's awesome to be able to catch up with you, man. You probably don't even remember this, but I was a college student at the University of Missouri back in like 2012 as a sophomore, and you came on our local station that broadcasted probably to all of five people. I always uh, appreciate that about you. You're more than uh, generous with your time. So thanks for hopping on with us today, and we wish you all the best, man.
0: I think that's a clear example of I work cheap and have not done a good
1: job of monetizing my uh, finances, but you're welcome for that. Yeah, you, you and baseball are the antithesis of each other in that regard. <laughs> Appreciate there you, man. You Thanks for hopping on with us today. So yeah,
0: Take care.